Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and Rodney's by my side taking a nap. Today's actually a special edition episode for you guys where we talk about baseball. I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinal fan, and I'm pretty pumped up right now because the Cardinals came off of a four-game sweep with the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley Field this weekend. That put the Cardinals three games up over the Milwaukee Brewers, who have been red hot going into um, this weekend, and we are now seven games up on the Cubs in the Central Division of the National League. With today's win, the Cardinals have clinched a playoff spot, and with the last week of the season ahead of us, we're going for three games against Arizona and three games against the Cubs to finish it up and hopefully walk away as Central Division champions. I got to brag on the Cardinals right now because I've been a Cardinal fan all my life. Being from Paducah, um, that's Cardinal territory. It's about three hours from St. Louis. And so I really got into being a Cardinal with those 80s teams from of Waddy Herzog, like Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Vince Coleman. Um, it was a team built on speed. Uh, good defense, clutch hitting, and uh, of course we were very, very successful uh, in the 80s. When they won the World Series in 1982, uh, led by Keith Hernandez, who was then traded to the Mets. But he just a lot of clutch guys like Ozzie Smith. He had Bruce Suter in that bullpen. And um, I, I was barely old enough to remember that, so I really got into Cardinal baseball with those uh, mid-'80s teams that Whitey had, like I said, with Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and Coleman, and we had the battles with the New York Mets, who then had Keith Hernandez and Daryl Strawberry, uh, Dwight Gooden, and, of course, we lost the World Series in 85 to the Kansas City Royals, which wasn't helped by a horrible missed call on a first base play by this umpire, Don Dinkinger. I mean, I still can't believe it. But anyway, we lost that World Series, but we came back in 87 with a another solid team and um, unfortunately lost 4-3 to three to the Minnesota Twins. But now the Cardinals are back in the playoffs after having to miss the past three seasons. And this year's team, it reminds me a lot of the mid-'80s teams because it's a team that's built on pitching, uh, solid, good defense. We don't have the the speed that we did with Coleman and McGee, but it's just a bunch of guys that they're, we're not leading the league in any category at all from an offensive standpoint. I mean, we've had some good numbers with guys like um, – Paul Goldschmidt putting up good numbers on home runs and RBIs. He has like 31 home runs, like I think 93 RBIs. Marcelo Zunas had 29 home runs, around 90 RBIs. And uh, we've gotten some power from our shortstop, Paul DeYoung. But we should have a lot of clutch guys. Like one of my favorite guys right now is this guy named Tommy Edmond. Tommy is a guy that brought, uh, was brought up for the minor leagues this year. He's batting two ninety four right now, but he's a, been a complete utility player who just finds a way to get clutch hits. And he did it today. I mean, we were down 2-1 to one, uh, going into the top of the ninth. And um, we had a, a really good player. Um, one guy that I think should really be, be getting more playing time, but because his defense is not so hot, he comes off the bench. But Jose Martinez came off the bench uh, against Hugh Darvish, who had pitched a great game for the Cubs. And he led off the, the top of the ninth inning with a triple to center field. So we had our tying run on third base, nobody out. Dexter Fowler, our our uh, pinch run or uh, leadoff hitter comes up, and he doesn't try to do too much. The main thing was to get that tying run in, and he was able to do it. He got a sack fly to left center field. He got um, uh, Tyler O'Neill in, who was pinch running for Jose. Um, 
and uh, you know we got the the tying run in. So then we had one out, and here comes Tommy Edmond. And what does this guy do? He gets another hit. He goes two for four in this game, another clutch hit, and um, then steals second base back to like the mid-'80s teams of Whitey Herzog. I mean, just doing the little things that will help you win ball games. So he steals second base with Paul Goldschmidt, one of our main power guys coming up. And sure enough, Goldschmidt hits a double down the third baseline, scoring Edmund, um, giving us the lead. I mean, just a huge, huge uh, comeback for the Cardinals. And uh, we were trying to tack on a few more runs, but that didn't happen in the ninth. And then we brought in Andrew Miller, who I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Miller because when he's on, he's really good. He's uh, one of the top left-handed relievers in the game. I, I was excited that we signed him going into the year. But he's had some wildness, too. I mean, sometimes he's walking guys and gives up hits. But let me tell you, he was clutch today, and he shut down the Cubs, and we won that game 3-2 to two for the sweep. And it just capped off a, a series where we won all four games by one run. And in most cases, we were coming back from a deficit. So it was just a great game. I mean, it, it, it was icing on the cake uh, to my great weekend. And uh, I just want to brag about the Cardinals right now because we're going into the last week of the season. Like I mentioned earlier, we got three games on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks. We have Thursday off, and then we finish with a weekend series at home at Bush Stadium against the Cubs. And hopefully we can walk away with that Central Division title so we don't have to play in the wild card. And uh, if we do get that Central Division title, we'd uh, be matched up with the Atlanta Braves, who they've had a solid year too. Um, I mean, Freddie Freeman on their team is just clutch i mean he's one of the best players and most consistent players in the league and uh osuna their leadoff guy is solid josh donaldson's had a good power year but first things first we got to take care of business in arizona and we're going to take care of business against the cubs and for those of you who didn't listen to the ball game uh, this whole weekend series let me just give you a little recap so start off on thursday night and we went into the ninth inning with uh a 4-1 lead, bringing our closer, Carlos Martinez, who for the most part has been pretty good this year. After coming back from injury, he had been a starter, but um, he was put back in the bullpen where he started his career with the Cardinals. And he gave up three runs, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, we just gave the Cubs that game, it looked like. So then we go in, top of the 10th, and we're facing the Chicago Cubs closer, Craig Kimbrell, who Kimbrell has been... He's been one of the better closers for in baseball for a long time. But I tell you what, he's one of these guys that's represented by the super agent Scott Boris. And what Boris has been doing lately to his clients I don't think is really a, a help. He's telling them to wait to the last minute to try to sign. Uh, if they don't get the deal that they want, just to hold out. And so Kimbrell was one of these guys that held out, and he wasn't signed until the middle of the year. And the Cardinals had a similar situation when they signed a, a reliever last year named Greg Holland to be the, the closer in our bullpen, and Holland had a horrible year. He came in. He didn't have spring training. It took him a while to uh, try to, to, to get in baseball shape, and he was just not right the whole year, and his ERA was terrible, and the Cardinals ended up releasing him. Well, Kimbrell this year has done the same thing. He's gotten 13 saves for the Cubs, but his ERA is like over six, which is horrible. So, but nevertheless, you know, he, he's historically been really good. And uh, so that's who the Cardinals had to face in the top of the 10th. And lo and behold, 
We had um, Colton Wong, our second baseman, who's been a really top-notch player for us this year. And um, so he ended up getting hurt. And uh, so Edmund switched from playing third base to second. And Colton Wong had a strained hamstring, which hopefully he's not out for long because he's been fabulous defensively this year. And he's got his average up to 285, which is a solid year for him. And uh, Matt Carpenter, one of our longtime Cardinals, and traditionally he's been pretty good, but you know this year he's really struggled. I mean, his batting average was only around 225. He's had some time off for injury, and he had to switch from third base or first base to third base when we saw signed Paul Goldschmidt because Goldschmidt traditionally is one of the best players in the National League. I mean, good average guy, good power guy, of course. You know, this year he's had the power in the RBIs, but his batting average has been around 250. But, hey, lately he's been getting some key hits, and that's all that matters. So anyway, Carpenter comes up. He faces Craig Kimbrell. What does he do? Hits a deep fly to center field, home run, gives the Cardinals a lead. I mean, couldn't believe it. And then um, we come in, shut it down in the bottom of the ninth with Gallegos, who's been solid this year out of the bullpen. So we win that game 5-4. to four. Then on Friday night, or Friday afternoon, we hold on to get a 2-1 win, led by Yachty Molina, who, let me tell you, golly, you talk about the heart and soul of a baseball team in a baseball city, it's Yachty or Molina. For those who aren't Cardinal fans and not baseball fans, Yachty or Molina uh, came up with the Cardinals in 2004 when we had a, a really top-notch team with Albert Pujols, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. And uh, he came up as a backup catcher uh, from the minors, and our catcher was Mike Matheny, who was a former manager of the Cardinals. And, you know, Yachty had this can of an arm and wasn't much of an offensive player, kind of like a great defensive player we had in the 80s named Ozzie Smith, who the greatest shortstop defensively ever, and is like Ozzie, turned into a really solid guy with the bat. And um, so Yachty was a guy that he had three hits in that game, three out of four, drove in two runs, and just clutch. And we pulled that win out two to one. The winning pitcher in that game was, uh, I tell you what, Michael Walker didn't get the win. He was a starter. He only gave up one run. But um, our bullpen's actually generally been pretty good lately. Ron Helsley got the win there, and he stepped up and pitched really well since coming in. And as a Caddyshack fan, you're going to love this name. We have a guy on our team named Tyler Webb. But for Caddyshack purposes, we're going to call him Ty Webb, like the Chevy Chase character. He's a lefty, and let me tell you, he has been clutch lately, real clutch. So he ended up getting the win there. Um, we had John Brebbia come in with a good hold. Same with Andrew Miller. And Carlos Martinez saved that for his 22nd save. But let me tell you, while today's win was huge, that game on Saturday was wild, folks. I mean, wild. I was listening to that, too, um, because even though I like watching the Cardinals on TV, since I was in Florida, I didn't always get the games and unless uh, was like on – and I didn't have like the Fox Sports uh, Midwest where I could get all the games. So I started listening to Cardinal games on the radio for several years. I have the MLB app where I pay like 20 bucks a year. It's fantastic. And I listened to KMOX, which is a long-time radio station for the Cardinals. Back when I was a kid, 
you know, we grew up with Jack Buck as our announcer, who was a longtime announcer for the Cardinals, and his uh, color man and sidekick was Mike Shannon, who was a former player with the Cardinals in the uh, mid to late 60s. When he retired uh, in the early 70s, he started in the broadcast booth, and Mike is still with the team. Uh, he's got, I think he's been broadcasting like 47 years. So since he's about 78 or 79 now, he only does the home games along with John Rooney, who John Rooney's fabulous. I mean, fabulous. I love listening to him call the ball games. So John is the head uh, announcer for uh, the Cardinals on the road, along with Ricky Horton, who's a former car- uh, Cardinal pitcher in the mid-'90s, and they're great. I mean, they're great. And I, when I went back to Kentucky and was watching some of the games with my grandmother on radio with Dan McLaughlin and uh, Tim McCarver, I'm like, you know, they did okay. But they're not near as good as a radio broadcast. So if you're a Cardinal fan, my my advice to you is listen to the game on the radio and watch it on TV with the sound on mute if you like. That's just my personal preference. But let me tell you, back to that game on Saturday, it was wild. Starting in the first inning, we had our, one of our better pitchers this year has been Dakota Hudson, and his record was uh, sixteen and eight going into the game. And it was absolutely crazy because in the first inning, the Cardinals got off to a good start. We got a run in. But in the bottom of the the first inning, Hudson walks three guys. I mean, we walked in a couple of runs with the bases loaded. So we were lucky to get out of that with only the Cubs only getting three runs. But then the Cubs answer back with two runs. So it's all tied at five. So then in the fifth inning, neither team scored. But when we get to the sixth inning, the Cubs score. So they're up by one. But finally, we get to the seventh inning. And Marcelo Zuna, former Miami Marlin, who's now in his second year with the Cardinals, he had been in a huge slump. But Paul Goldschmidt got a hit, had a man on base, and Ozuna were like, man, this guy needs to come out of this slump. And John Rooney's like, man, I just know that Ozuna's going to come out of this. What does he do? It's a two-run homer, a two-run homer. So Cardinals are up um, by one run going in the bottom of the seventh. But then, of course, we give the – Cubs two runs in the bottom of the seventh, and so now they're up one. Neither team scores in the eighth, but folks, that takes us to the ninth inning, and as has been the case in almost every one of these games, the Cardinals are coming from behind, and in three of the four, they were down going into the top of the ninth inning. So what happens? Craig Kimbrell comes in, and like I said, he's had a rough year, but he's their closer. The Cubs paid a lot of money to get him. So, first pitch of the ninth inning is to Yadier Molina, Mr. Clutch. And what does he do? Home run to left field. Tying the game on the first pitch. Just one pitch, one run, game tied. So, Kimbrell gets set. He's going to face Paul DeYoung. One pitch to Paul DeYoung. Home run to left field. Cardinals are up 9-8. to eight. Two runs on two pitches. Off Keg- Craig Kimbrell. He's shell-shocked. Joel Madden, the Cubs coach, uh, manager, has to go and pull him out. So the Cardinals end up with two runs in that inning, 9-8. to eight. We're going to the bottom of the ninth. Bring in our closer, Carlos Martinez, and he mows the Cubs down. What a big win for the Cardinals. Big win, demoralizing win or loss for the Cubs, but a big win for the Cardinals. And, of course, today they went for the sweep. And what do they do? They come back again in the in the ninth inning and win that game three to two with clutch hitting, like I said, from uh, 
Uh, Jose Martinez, Dexter Fowler did the small thing with a sack fly. Tommy Edmond got the hit, stole second base. Goldschmidt hit that double down the third baseline. And Mr. Andrew Miller comes in today, and he and the announcers were saying he wanted to be in clutch situations, and he wanted to prove he can deliver. Well, boy, he did today. So Cardinals win 3-2, to two, sweep the four-game series against the Chicago Cubs. And like I said, we have a three-game lead on the Milwaukee Brewers, who are playing fabulous ball right now. I mean, fabulous ball. Their announcer, Bob Uecker, one of my personal favorites, has got to be proud. And they're doing all this without uh, uh, Christian Yelich, former Marlin, and a real serious MVP candidate if he hadn't gotten hurt. He's been hurt. He's out for the year. But... Uh, I think the Marlins, I'm sorry, the Marlins, the Milwaukee Brewers, they've gone 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. I mean, they're playing fantastic ball right now, and they've only picked up maybe one game on the Cardinals because the Cardinals are 7-3 seven, three, seven and three in their last 10, and we've won five in a row. So, folks, we're going to see what happens this last week. Uh, you know, right now the Cardinals have that three-game lead, but if we uh, go and lay an egg this week and lose every game, we're still in the playoffs, but we don't win the Central Division. We have to go in for a, a play-in game, which uh, very well could be against the Washington Nationals, who are a, a top-notch team as well. So let's hope the Cardinals stay hot and keep winning. With that said, you know this year's Cardinals team, I, I, it teaches me a lot of lessons, and I think it's a, a very um, uh, informational thing for everybody. This year's Cardinals team, we really don't have anybody that's having an MVP caliber season from an offense standpoint. I mean, our leading batter as an, from an average standpoint is Colton Wong, and he's batting 285, which really is not that great. I mean, usually most teams, it's good, but if you're a really great um, Major League Baseball hitter, you're always batting above 300. I mean, the greatest hitter alive – uh, during my generation was Tony Gwynn, a former San, San Diego Padre. I mean, he would consistently be batting 330, 340. One year, um, I think it was 1987, he batted 370. I mean, so generally the good teams, they have a lot of guys that are going to be 300 or over. But this Cardinals team has Wong at 285. The next highest batting average we have is Paul Goldschmidt at 258. And Paul Goldschmidt, if you look at his stats for his career, this is way below his career average. I mean, he's got a career average of 292, but consistently he's a guy who's always around 300, 310. Uh, now, his power numbers have been good. He's leading the Cardinals with 31 home runs and 92 RBIs. So he's delivering in that area. Well, then after Goldschmidt at 258, you got Dexter Fowler hitting 244, which is not really that great, but today Dexter made uh we he did what we need him to do when he got that sacrifice fly uh and got Jose Mar- or I'm sorry Tyler um Tyler O'Neill in who's pinch running for Jose Martinez you got Marcelo Zuna good power guy batting 242 Paul DeYoung shortstop good power guy batting 238 so when you're looking at the the batting averages they're not really that impressive at all now, when you look at the home runs, we got some guys with some pop on this team. You got Paul Goldschmidt, 31 home runs. Paul DeYoung has 29 home runs. Marcelo Azuna has 29 home runs. And Marcel missed uh, several games with an uh, injury. Dexter Fowler, our leadoff guy, generally 17 home runs. Matt Carpenter, 
13 home runs, and a, a whole host of folks. We've got up to eight guys. I'm sorry. We got we got about 10 guys that have double figures in home runs. So the other thing with the Cardinals, too, you look at our pitching. Well, our pitching has been absolutely fantastic from a starter standpoint. John Flaherty, or Jack Flaherty, has a 2.96 ERA. But let me tell you, after the All-Star break, he's been as good as any pitcher in baseball, just locked down. But then we got Dakota Hudson, who pitched yesterday pretty lousy, but generally he's been pretty good. His ERA is at 3.45. Adam Wainwright's been pitching great lately at 3.83. And Miles Michaelis, who pitched a fabulous game today, fabulous. Eight innings, um, one run. His ERA is 4.16. So if you're looking at the numbers from the Cardinals, it's like they're not numbers that really are uh, eye-popping. No one on our team is going to be even close for an MVP vote. No one is going to be um, close to a Cy Young vote. But we're just finding a way to win, and it's a team effort. And so if, if it's not Goldschmidt getting the hit, it's it's Ozuna or Tommy Edmond or uh, Harrison Bader, who may be batting like 200. But it's like we're, we're finding a way to get a hit. Yadi Molina. Yadi Molina is one of the most clutch players the Cardinals have. And our defense is great this year. The past couple of years had been down, which is not the way Cardinals baseball is supposed to go, where we focus on uh, good pitching, good defense, sound fundamentals. And you got to give a lot of credit to our manager, Mike Schilt. This is his first full season. He started the middle of last year. um, I've taken over for Mike Matheny, which I thought was a good good move. I thought Matheny just – I thought – before he had been a pretty good manager for us and he had been around um since 2012 but you know we we were just weren't playing good defense um and the the team was just playing sloppy and the, the change needed to be made and so i i really give a lot of this credit to mike schilt and um going to the fundamentals and uh it's a whole team effort and the lesson to be learned is that the team is more important than the individual. You're looking at a Cardinal team this year that's in first place in the Central Division going into the last week of the season. But yet, nobody close to being an MVP candidate, nobody close to being a Cy Young candidate, but we're finding ways to win ball games, and everybody's doing their part, and we're finding a way to get the hit at the right time. We're doing the extra thing to steal that extra base. Um, great defense, not giving up too many unearned runs. And um, that's the beauty of baseball. It's a, it's the ultimate team sport. Um, you can't win in baseball by just having one dominant guy and other guys that don't pick up the slack. And the other thing about baseball that's such a good life lesson is it's a game where you're going to fail substantially more than you're going to succeed. If you think about it, from a batting standpoint, it, like I said earlier, if you're a 300 hitter, then that's considered good. That means you're succeeding three out of ten times in getting a hit. You're failing 70% of the time. So it's just a lesson to be learned out there that teamwork makes the dream work, as Jamal Mashburn said in one of my uh, earlier podcasts. And when when you're in a team you got to give your best, and you got to have everybody to give their part because if someone's not giving their part, your team's not going to succeed. You can't always just rely on one guy. And uh, 
So I'm really enjoying this year uh, of Cardinal baseball. I'm excited to see how we finish the season and see how we do in the playoffs because let me tell you, the playoffs are going to be wild this year. Uh, you've got in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers have been fantastic this year. The Braves, like I mentioned earlier, have been very, very solid. But I think the Cardinals have a great shot in the playoffs. I mean, they're doing the little things they need to to win ball games with pitching and clutch hitting and, and defense and stealing bases. And I think they're a real threat now that they're going to be in the playoffs. I just hope that it's the Central Division champions. But uh, watch out for those Cardinals. I just want to kind of brag about how great of an organization the St. Louis Cardinals are. I, Like I said, I grew up a Cardinal fan. Um I I'm a, was a Cardinal fan because my grandfather was a Cardinal fan, and of course I have a um, he instilled that on my uncle, who's a a real real big Cardinal fan. He keeps up with it even more than I do. And uh, when my grandfather grew up, he was watching some of the great Cardinals of all time, and guys like Stan Musial, Ina Slaughter, um, uh, Red Shandies, who was a second baseman. So those Cardinals teams in the the early and mid '40s. They were really, really dominant, and um, Stan Musial was his favorite player, and for those of you who are not baseball fans, Stan Musial is one of the greatest uh, players to ever play. Um, he had a career batting average of 331, 475 home runs, and all for the Cardinals. And this was in a time when, I mean, you had Stan Musial, you had Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio um, in those 40s, just great, great teams, and of course, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Ty Cobb in the decades before, but um, a lot of these guys who were playing in the the 40s and early 50s, they missed a lot of time because of being in World War II, and they missed time in their prime, so when you're talking about the all-time hits leaders and home run leaders and stuff like that, guys like Stan Musial and Ted Williams, they would be even higher if they had not missed several years due to being in in those wars. And Ted Williams even missed some time in the Korean War. And uh, of course, in the in the late um, '40s, I mean, things changed dramatically in baseball with Jackie Robinson. And you know, I ask my guests a lot of times if you were going to have dinner with three people, uh, who would you pick? I would definitely pick Jackie Robinson as one of the players I'd like to have dinner with, uh, and just people in general because. I mean, breaking the color barrier in baseball, um, it was it was a huge thing, and you had to have the right guy with the right mentality to go in there and battle all the the racial slurs and the tension and teammates who didn't want him. And he proved he belonged because of his play. And uh, you know, he he went through tremendous tremendous pressure and stress, and. Um, but he made it work, and he made it so that there was no way they could deny his success. And when he went in there and had the the right attitude and proved it with his success, he opened the doors for so many other great players in not just baseball, but many sports. And it, of course, led us to having Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente. And then in basketball, you ha- had the o- doors open more for a your Bill Russells and Will Chamberlains and uh, just down the line. And and I think, um, you know, when people talk about great Americans and who who has influenced American society, um, obviously your, your George Washingtons and Abraham Lincolns are going to come up, as they should, um, along with uh, a lot of other people out there. 
But to me, Jackie Robinson's got to be in the top ten, and it's just amazing what he accomplished. And um, I'm forever thankful for what he did because it was just um, something that should never be forgotten by anybody. So back to the Cardinals, though. The Cardinals have a history of being a a very successful franchise. They were a a really good team in the 40s. Understand Mujo and Slaughter, those great teams. The 50s, that was more Brooklyn Dodger uh, time in the National League with your Jackie Robinson teams, uh, with Pee Wee Reese, Duke Snyder. Of course, Willie Mays had uh, some really good teams with um, then the New York Giants. And, of course, Hank Aaron broke in with uh, the then Milwaukee Braves and um, had some, some big years. But when it turned to the 60s, that was, a, that was kind of the Cardinals' decade as well. And one of the most dominant pitchers ever was a guy named Bob Gibson. And when you're talking about the greatest pitchers of all time, I know you can mention Sandy Koufax, and you should, because Sandy Koufax was an amazing, amazing pitcher who he had his career cut short due to some injury. But, I mean, you can name Walter Johnson, obviously Cy Young for the Cy Young Award being named after him with 511 wins. Then back in the day, you had Christy Mathewson. You had uh, Nolan Ryan gets uh, mentioned a lot there. Greg Maddox, former Cub and Brave. I mean, but to me, your top five, you've got to have Bob Gibson as one of your starters. He was, he was ruthless on the mound. He had one of the greatest, uh, probably the greatest single season ever. Um, with the 112 ERA in 1968. He led the Cardinals to World Series appearances in 1964, 1967, and 1968. And they won the World Series in um, 1964, defeating the the New York Yankees with Mickey Mantle, uh, Whitey Ford. And then um, they went on to win the World Series in uh, 67. No, they lost it in uh, – oh, yeah, they won it in 67 – beating the Red Sox, but then they lost in 68 to um, Danny McLean and the the Detroit Tigers. But, uh, you know, great tradition going through the 60s. Uh, some great players on that team. Lou Brock, one of the greatest uh, leadoff men ever. Um, he was a stolen base leader until Ricky Henderson broke that uh, some years later. Uh, he had Kurt Flood, the, the famous Kurt Flood, who... Uh, was the father for free agency. He was the center fielder on that team. You had uh, Bill White, who was a first baseman and former uh, uh, National League commissioner. Of course, with the later teams, like in 67, 68, you had Orlando Cepeda, who ended up being a Hall of Famer with the Giants on those um, later New York, or San, then San Francisco Giants with Willie, Mc, Willie McCovey and Willie Mays. Uh, you had Julian Javier at second base. You had uh, Dow Maxwell at shortstop. And then for the 64 team, you had who I would consider the greatest Cardinal third baseman in Ken Boyer. He was a real solid player. And then Mike Shannon, a longtime announcer, um, moved from the outfield to third base for those later teams. But then when the 70s rolled around, the Cardinals, they had some okay teams, but nothing really spectacular. Um, you know, Gibson kept his uh, numbers up and uh, was still a, a dominant pitcher until he retired in 1970. Five, I think, and um, they had a reliever, Al Roboski, the Mad Hungarian, who's a character, and then in the late 70s, uh, Keith Hernandez, famous from Seinfeld, of course, but of course from the New York Mets, but he was a he was a big-time player for the Cardinals, um, you know, great hitting left-handed 
uh, first baseman, slick field and first baseman, um, and he was a leader on that 82 team. But things changed in 82, uh, really 81 the year before, when Whitey Herzog took over as a manager. And boy, I tell you, I loved Whitey Herzog teams. And Whitey Herzog teams were different. He came from um, Kansas City Royals, where he had coached great George Brett teams in the mid-70s and late-70s. And this Cardinal team uh, and style of play that he brought, it was based on speed and defense and pitching. And um, and so he had guys, not too many big power hitters. So on that 82 team, you had uh, Keith Hernandez, who wasn't fast at all, but, I mean, a, close to a 300 hitter. Um, really, our power hitter was a right fielder named George Hendrick. Uh, of course, he brought in Ozzie Smith. And to me, the Ozzie Smith trade was the trade that made the big difference. And the Cardinals traded an all-star shortstop in Gary Templeton, who had some attitude issues with the Cardinals and if, you know some issues going on. It just wasn't working in St. Louis. So he got traded to San Diego uh, to the Padres for a light-hitting but great defensive shortstop named Ozzie Smith. Well, Ozzie Smith came, and he f- was a lockdown shortstop at, defensively. He saved so many runs defensively. And just not the the best hitter, but the the defensive uh, mindset that he had fit in great with the Cardinals. And that was also the rookie year for one of my personal favorite Cardinal players of all time, center fielder Willie McGee. So the Cardinals got on a hot streak, ended up beating the Atlanta Braves um, in the um, National League Championship Series with a, a good Dale Murphy uh, a team coached by uh, or managed by Joe Torrey. They had Bob Horner on that team. And then they they took it to um, the Milwaukee Brewers and won that in seven games, four to three. Willie McGee was smoking hot in that series. And, of course, the Cardinals had a lights-out closer in Bruce Suter, who was a Hall of Famer for the Cardinals. But, uh, you know, some other key people on that team, um, I mentioned Hernandez um, at first base. The second base was Tommy Herr, who I always liked Tommy Herr. He was a... A really good defensive shortstop, a lot of key hits. Um, the third baseman on that team next to Ozzie Smith was uh, Ken Obertfell. Catcher was Daryl Porter, who took over for really, a, I mean, one of the best Cardinal catchers ever in Ted Simmons, a great offensive guy. But, you know, Whitey had Porter with him in um, Kansas City and just felt more comfortable with him. And Simmons actually got traded to Milwaukee, so he was playing against the Cardinals in that 82 World Series. Our uh, left fielder was Lonnie Smith, who was the the leadoff hitter and a good stolen base guy and good average guy. And then George Hendrick was in right field. So, um, yeah, they, they won it in 82, and I wasn't really old enough to remember too much from that season. So I got more into the Cardinals when um, – like 84, 85, my first Cardinal game, I believe was 84 when my grandfather took me along with um, my younger uncle to the Cardinals uh, Stadium, Bush Stadium in St. Louis. And I remember that first game was against San Diego and Tony Gwynn, who was one of my favorite players. And they had Steve Garvey on that team, uh, Goose Gossage, I mean, was the reliever. And they, they beat the Cardinals. And um, I kind of got into a string of wherever I, whenever I'd go to the Cardinal games, they'd always lose because then the next year I went to go see him play the Cincinnati Reds in 85, and we lost to Pete Rose and Dave Parker and those 85 Reds teams. So, um, 
But I love the Cardinals growing up because I love the speed and defense. They, um, Vince Coleman was a rookie on that 85 team of Whitey Herzog. And he came in and he stole 100 bases as a rookie, uh, 110, I think. And, uh, I mean, between him, Willie McGee was the second hitter, and he batted three fifty three that year, got the MVP. He stole about 65 bases. Uh, Ozzie Smith stole a lot of bases. Tommy Herr had a great year that year. He was our three hitter. And um, behind Jack Clark, who was our power guy at first base, Herr had 108 RBIs that year, which is a lot for a second baseman at that time because this is before second baseman got huge back in the, the 90s, like with your Jeff Kins and Brett Boones and stuff. But, um, boy, those teams were a lot of fun. The, um, and we had some good pitchers with John Tudor and Joaquin Andahar that year. Um, Bruce Sewer was not our closer. He had some arm problems and ended up getting traded to the Braves. So we, we had a guy named uh, Jeff Lottie who was actually our closer for uh, most of the year. And then a longtime Cardinal closer, Todd Worrell, came in as a minor leaguer and helped us get to the World Series that year. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, we – we lost in 85. Um, we we really should have won. I mean, that if you are a Cardinal fan, you'll never forget the missed first base call by Don Dinkinger uh, in Game 6 when he called George Ord of, of the Royals safe when he was clearly out, and this was before the time of instant replay for the umpires. But it was a huge loss. The Cardinals ended up losing that game, and their, their mental state was just not there at all in Game 7. We ended up getting just blown out of the stadium 10 to nothing in game seven with a, a Royals team led by George Brett. Uh, Willie Wilson was on that team. Actually, former Cardinal Lonnie Smith was on that team. Brett Saberhagen was a rookie, a uh, great pitcher. And uh, so anyway, we uh, I tell you what, one Cardinal, though, that I liked on that team, too, I forgot to mention, was Andy Van Slyke. And, uh, of course, he would go on to start a few years later with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirate teams that had uh, Barry Bonds and uh, Bobby Bonilla. But, uh, you know, so the Cardinals made it back in 87. Another uh, solid year with Willie McGee. Ozzie Smith batted 280 that year, had um, 80 RBIs, and just was really a, a steady offensive player. And he stayed that way for uh, the remainder of his career because he was always primarily known for his defense. But, uh, I mean, he was a solid player. We had a guy at third base named Terry Pendleton who – he started to be a great hitter when he went to the Braves later, but, boy, he was a great defensive third baseman. And, of course, they had Coleman in left field. We had uh, Willie McGee in center. And um, since Andy Van Slyke got traded, our right fielders kind of went between guys like Kurt Ford, not Kurt Flood from the 60s. And um, we have a guy, Jim Lindemann, who plays some out there. Uh, kind of a mix, mix and match, but it worked pretty good. Uh, we were able to get to the World Series on it, and um, I think Tito Landrum was on that team. He was an important part of the 85 team, but we still couldn't win it. We lost to the Minnesota Twins that year with Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Tom Bernanski, Gary Gaetti, and uh, Burt Blylevin and Frank Viola, managed by Tom Kelly in 1987. So when we hit the 90s, the 90s were... You know, Cardinals had some pretty good teams. Uh, Waddy Herzog had stepped down in 89, and in the early 90s we had some uh, teams that were managed by Joe Torrey. They were just kind of so-so. I mean, nothing really outstanding. We didn't make the playoffs. Um, our lead 
players were like uh, Ray Langford, who was a pretty solid outfielder for the Cardinals. Uh, and Bernard Gilkey was a solid guy. Of course, Ozzie Smith was the main draw. Um, but we just never could really get over the hump. Uh, our pitching wasn't as spectacular as it had been in those uh, mid-'80s teams. Uh, like we had Joe McGrain had a couple of good years, and I think he won the ERA title in 91, or maybe, and I think it was 90 he did that. But, um, you know, it wasn't quite the the teams that we had in the 80s. Vince Coleman was gone. Uh, Willie McGee got traded in 1990. So it was a different uh, brand of, of play. But then things changed dramatically when we got Tony La Russa as our coach in, um, or as our manager for that 96 season. And, you know, things changed because obviously it was – LaRusso was a very successful manager with the Oakland A's in the late 80s with Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, the Bash brothers. They had Dave Henderson in center field. They had Carney Lansford at third. Great pitching with Dave Stewart, Bob Welch, and Mike Moore. Uh, of course, they had Dennis Eckersley, the Eck, one of the greatest uh, relievers of all time. And so when um, when LaRusso came, I mean, he brought a that kind of style with him to the Cardinals and actually brought a f- lot of former A's including Mark McGuire eventually. And, of course, any Cardinal and baseball fan knows what Mark McGuire brought to the Cardinals in the home run race and uh, the excitement with him and Sammy Sosa, which we know now was tainted due to steroids. But I will say, though, growing up and uh, being in high school and college with that going on, it was it was a, it was an exciting time in baseball. Uh, I mean, Barry Bonds is putting up huge numbers. Uh, one of my favorite players of that generation was uh, Frank Thomas from the uh, the Chicago White Sox and Jeff Bagwell and Biggio. Of course, the Atlanta Braves had great, great teams with their pitching with Greg Max, Tom Glavin, um, John Smoltz, uh, Ed Chipper Jones, Dave Justice, uh, Terry Pillen was on those teams. So, But, uh, you know, the Cardinals, they did make it um, – to the playoffs at least in 96 I mean I remember going with a, a real good buddy of mine to uh, the playoffs and man I thought we had that series won against the Braves um, we'd won our first series um, in the playoffs and uh, we were up four to one and we just we just blew that series I and mean, the Braves came back won the or, I'm sorry they were up we were up three to one in a best of seven series and we ended up losing three straight games to the Braves, who would go on to play the Yankees in the World Series in 96. And, of course, then the Yankees won their first title under um, Joe Torre with a rookie, Derek Jeter. And that kind of started the Yankee uh, uh, dynasty that went through the late 90s and early 2000s. But you can't have a discussion about Cardinal baseball without talking about one of the greatest players ever in baseball and definitely I would say probably the second most important player well I don't know if I'll say second I'll say top three because I don't know if he he's more important he's definitely not more important than Stan Musial but I don't know about Bob Gibson I think I'd have to vote Bob Gibson number two since he was a lifelong Cardinal but uh, Albert Pujols Albert Pujols came in in 2001 as a rookie and my gosh he was just fabulous from the start I mean, he was a consistent 330 hitter, 30 home runs a year, 100 RBIs. Um, When Mark McGuire left the Cardinals, he slotted over to first base. I mean, by far and away the best player from um, 
the early 2000s, like 2001, until uh, he left the Cardinals really in, um, in 2011. Just tremendous numbers. We had uh, so many great teams there under La Russa with, with Pujols. We had Jim Edmonds come as our, our center fielder from the California Angels at the time. And, man, when you're talking about the greatest Cardinals of all time, Jim Edmonds has got to be in there. He's a, in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, but just such a great defensive uh, center fielder and good power guy, good speed. Um, and Edmonds was a really good player, and with uh, him and McGuire, we put together a good team, and we got back to the playoffs in 2000, I think. We lost to the Mets with Mike Piazza, who ended up going on to the World Series against the uh, the Yankees that year and losing. But, hey, you know what? The Cardinals really started to turn around, and we were in the playoffs again in uh, 2003, I think. No, two. And that was a year that we lost to the Giants and Barry Bonds um, and a lot of close games. But, uh, man, Cardinal baseball was a lot of fun in that, that era. And, of course, in 2004, we – we make it to uh, the World Series, lose to the Boston Red Sox, though. And, man, we had a good team. I mean, Pujols had an MVP-quality season, just a great team. One of my favorite players ever as a Cardinal was a pitcher named Chris Carpenter. And, man, was he he clutched for the Cardinals then and just a real good leader. Uh, you know, loved him on that team. 2005, I, th- I thought our 2005 team was better than our 2004 team. Uh, that was a year that we played the Houston Astros in the playoffs, and Pujols hits that towering home run off Brad Lidge in the, uh, the playoff game, but ended up losing to the Astros with uh, Biggio, Bagwell, Lance Berkman, uh, the, all the killer bees. But um, we ended up getting back to the World Series in 2006, and we won it finally. Finally we won it for the first time in, since 1982. Uh you know, Pujols was the leader on that team, but Yadi Molina was our starting catcher. Very important part of the team. Had a rocket for an arm. You just couldn't run on him. He'd gun people out trying to steal. And uh, Carpenter, uh, Chris Carpenter, was huge on that team. And Adam Wainwright, who's still on the team right now, got hurt, came back, pitched great out of the bullpen, and helped us close out that series. So after winning the World Series in 2006, the Cardinals didn't make it back to the World Series until 2011. And um, we had some constants on that team from the 2006 World Series team. Obviously, you still had Albert Pujols at first base. He had a, a good year, but really his last great year um, from a, a number standpoint and his last year as a Cardinal, um, he bad 299, which broke his streak of hitting 300 every year in his career. But he had 37 home runs and 99 RBIs, uh, and so another really solid year. Uh, of course, you had Yachty Molina behind the plate. Yachty actually batted 305 that year. He had 14 home runs and 65 RBIs, along with great defense. Uh, the, the other power guys in that lineup, we had Matt Holliday in left field, who was a nice addition to get some protection behind Albert Pujols in left. And Holliday batted 296 that year. He hit uh, 22 home runs and 75 RBIs. And Lance Berkman, remember that name, big-time Astro uh player but uh he came over to the cardinals and he had a really solid year hitting 301 he had 31 homers 94 rbis the other uh, guys on that team we had uh, second base skip schumacher shortstop ryan terrio who that's a name i'd forgotten until i was doing some research here he was a shortstop david freeze who 
World Series hero, uh, third base. Like I mentioned, Holiday in left field. Kobe Rasmus was in center field um, since Jim Edmonds was no longer there. And we had Lance Burtman in right field. And John Jay was actually a big reserve for the Cardinals out. Um, he played a lot of center field, had a Daniel Descalso, who was a, uh, an important player off the bench as a utility guy in the infield. And Alan Craig was a big uh, bat off that bench, too. I didn't realize it, but Alan Craig batted 315 that year, uh, 11 home runs and 40 RBIs. So um, who else was on that team? I think Raphael Fracal was on that team, Nick Punto, some middle infield guys. And as far as uh, pitchers and stuff, we had um, Chris Carpenter leading the way. He was awesome. Uh, Kyle Loesch, Jamie, or Jaime Garcia, Jake Westbrook. Um, so, and our closer was uh, Jason Mott, which that's a great name. Plus, he's a great character. So anyway, Cardinals kind of limped into that playoff series, I remember. But once once we got into the playoffs, we just got hot. And we took out the Nationals, who were kind of favored, and go, went on to, to win that World Series. And kind of like the, the Cardinals team since uh, 2011 have kind of been on that same mindset, I think, as the 2011 teams. The Cardinals haven't really had any teams that – you can say they're definitely the best. They've had a lot of really, really good teams. But we haven't had a guy that's like, since Pujols left, who's really considered like an MVP caliber player. But we have a lot of really solid guys that get big hits and our pitchers uh, find a way to get, make it happen. And uh, so I see a lot in the 2011 team in this year's Cardinal team. And um, so it's just great. And I do have to uh, give some props to St. Louis as a baseball organization and definitely a town. You're not going to find a better baseball town than St. Louis. I know, um, you know, the Yankee fans will disagree. The Red Sox fans will disagree. But, and let me tell you, Red Sox fans and Yankee or and Yankee fans, they're great fans. They support their team. And, um, you know, they're, they're great baseball cities, no doubt about it. The Cub fans support the Cubs left and right. But I tell you what, there's nobody that's a more diehard uh, baseball fan than a St. Louis Cardinal fan. Uh, and the tradition has been there for many years. They've always generally put a good product on the field, which I've got to slam the Marlins a little bit with the Miami Marlins. They do not do that. And if they wonder why people don't go, it's because – they don't consistently try to put a good product on the field. They're content to uh, get the revenue from the baseball sharing on TV revenue and things like that. And um, they've they've brought in some hired guns and won some World Series, uh, like in 1997. The 2003 team with uh, with Pudge Rodriguez, they just kind of got lucky on that because of guys like Josh Beckett and Brad Penny just having much better than expected years as, as young pitchers. But Miami's never going to be a baseball town like it should be because the ownership has never put a long-term commitment to the team being good. And we're going to see what happens with Derek Jeter's team uh, under his team's ownership. Right now it's not too good. And um, they say, well, it's a building process, and look what the Cubs had to do with the rebuilding and stuff like that. Uh, so we'll see. I hope it turns into a, a good product on the field because it, with the Latin community down there, you've got a lot of baseball fans. 
But if they don't put a winning product on the field, people can watch the games from from home on their TV where the concessions are better and the bathroom weight, weight line's a whole lot better. But the Cardinals don't operate that way. The Cardinals always try to put a winning product on the field because they know their fans demand it, and um, the Cardinals are the the top draw in town, uh, and they they try to treat their fans properly, and that's why we're able to get people to come in free agency, and they want to play there. They they know the team supports is supported thick and thin through their fans, and um, to me, that's how the model franchise should be run. Uh, there are a lot of good baseball uh, franchises that are run well, and there are a lot of them, like I mentioned with the Marlins and others out there. They're they're just trying to get by. I hope the team just kind of so so this and that, and, and fans aren't going to stand for it. They're just not. So I'd like to see the Marlins get their acting gear, and hopefully, you know, next year see these prospects develop and things like that, but they, they should really look at how the Cardinals do things um, and, and try to emulate that because the, the Miami fans deserve better, and they have deserved better for a long time. But, you know, when you go to a Cardinals game, like I went to the um, New Bush Stadium for the first time since it opened. I, actually, when I was in Miami, I didn't know when I finished uh, law school if I was going to go back to Kentucky or uh, I was going to maybe interview in St. Louis. So I I actually got season tickets. I won the lottery to have season tickets at the new Bush Stadium. But then once I got my job in um, Miami, I, of course, had to to give those up. But um, it's a joy to go to the Cardinal game, and it doesn't matter if they're playing a, a, a lousy team like the Pittsburgh Pirates traditionally or if they're playing a great team like the the Cubs or the, the Brewers. I mean, it's fun. Um, the fans are into it. It's nearly a packed house. The enthusiasm is good. Um, and in a lot of baseball cities, you don't get that, <clears throat> Miami. And, you know, you got to have that in, in uh, today's society. People want to be entertained. It's not just about the sport. It's about the experience. So, you know, that's why the Cardinals have always been one of the top draws, along with the Dodgers, along with the Red Sox, along with the Yankees. Um, and I don't believe this this argument, well, it's you're only going to have baseball in the, in the cities with a long-time tradition. That's not true at all. You look at a team like Houston. Houston draws really, really well. And granted, they had some lean years, too, and rebuilt. But, I mean, Houston draws really well. The Colorado Rockies have drawn great um, since they've been a franchise, and they came on board in 1992. So it's all about the experience. And are you going to put the uh, the effort to putting a good product on the field? That's what fans want to see. So I'm proud to be a Cardinal fan because we do things the right way, both on the field and from what I can tell, um, off the field as far as how things are operated. Do I agree with some of their decisions uh, or disagree with some of their decisions? I definitely disagree with some of their decisions, but we're all human. We're all going to make a mistake from time to time. But I just know that every year when we go into baseball season, I know the Cardinals are going to try to win. They're not into this complete rebuilding program that a lot of uh, programs take and because uh, they think they owe it to the fans to put a winning product on the field. So that's why I'm proud to be a Cardinal fan, and I will always be a Cardinal fan. So anyway, I just want to take a little bit of time to get on here and 
talk about baseball since I haven't talked baseball at all on any of my podcasts. And we're going into the last week of the season, and the Cardinals are playing great. And I know a lot of my listeners are Cardinal fans just like me. So let's keep supporting the Cardinals. Let's hope this week goes well, and let's hope for the best in the playoffs. So have a good night. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.